On this episode of Trickle Down Theories, Mile Huddle Draft Analyst and co-host of the Huddle Up Draft Pod, Nick Kendall, joins me to talk about our seven-round NFL mock draft, focusing on what the Denver Broncos made with their selections. Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League Draft. And with the first round, John Elway. Jim welcome Kelly. in, everybody, to Trickle Down with Theories the with round, your host, Dan Eric Trickle. NFL Draft. And with the first round, pick. Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would have asked for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. Good young players. What the draft's all about. Here in and here out. Welcome back to the draft. Democracy was running back. Tackle. Quarterback. Every year in the draft. There has been a trade. Ricky Williams. John Dolphin. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Trickle Down Theories. I'm your host, Eric Trickle. On Trickle Down Theories, we talk about all things NFL, the draft, and we have a small focus on the Denver Broncos, as I am an analyst with MileEyeHuddle.com. We'll talk, we talk about all things from signings, trades, rosters, team needs, just anything and everything you can think of. Joining me today is Nick Kendall, a colleague of mine at MileEyeHuddle.com, and a draft analyst as well, and he also co-hosts a Huddle Up pod that focuses on the NFL draft. Nick, how are you doing? Uh, doing pretty well. I have a huge presentation tomorrow at the university where I work at, so a little bit stressed about that. But And I also coordinated the entire thing, got a bunch of people coming in to present. But it'll be over 24 hours from now, and it'll be the weekend, and I'm just ready for that to get over. It's uh, It's been a stressful past week, so this has been this has been a busy one. I'm ready to sleep this weekend away. Yeah, I hear you. I'm just in the process of moving and just really started moving and I'm already exhausted. All we've done is moved in our new bed frame into our new apartment and I'm already exhausted. Thing is, at least with your weekend, you at least get a break. My weekend means just more moving. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to take a, I have an idea for an article this weekend that I'm going to work on, but it's still going to be a long time until there. I got to get through these next 24 hours. Yeah, I hear that. Well, what we're going to be talking about today is we've been doing this seven-round mock draft, and we're just going to go through and talk about all the picks the Denver Broncos made, recapping the first two rounds, which we have our whole rounds up on as a podcast, so you can hear all the picks there. We're just going to talk about them, why we made the picks, why we're, we're okay with them, and just all that kind of stuff, how they impact the roster as it stands now. And at the end, we'll end up talking about the Broncos' newest player, the punter they just signed, formerly of Oakland. It's really good signing but first off in the first round we ended up taking baker mayfield um sam darnold josh rosen josh allen those were the first three picks which left open bradley chubb to the browns this is from everything i've heard this is how the first four picks are going to pan out in some form or another there has been a lot of talk of late of the giants going josh allen because they do still believe in eli manning and so getting josh allen they can sit there and still rely on eli manning and work on developing josh allen for after eli manning but even still if that happens then the jets might take baker mayfield but josh rosen would fall into the broncos lap so the key is where does bradley chubb go it, giants obviously there's still a fit there but in the end at least josh rosen or baker mayfield are going to end up at number five or at least should i don't see quarterbacks going one through four bradley chubb will be one of those picks but as i said we went with baker mayfield i absolutely love this guy i know nick you're a bigger fan of josh rosen but i like the tenacity that baker mayfield brings on the field he's gonna have to chill it down a bit grabbing his crotch hitting players in the head and warm-ups stuff like that it's not going to fly in denver and i'm sure denver's already talked to him about it and i'm sure they're going to have things in place to make sure he keeps himself chilled a little bit not as out there i mean he's a fierce competitor which is awesome and that's what you want from the quarterback position but you have to keep it in yeah you kind of have to keep it toned down a little bit he's going to fit well with the offense 
they're going to be adapting stuff to what he brings into it. They've already talked about bringing RPOs into the offense a little bit. Ben Joseph did at the Senior Bowl, I think it was. Bill Musgrave, he's done it before. He's brought in some college kind of concepts to help David Carr when he was with the Raiders a little bit. So there's a history there of them being able to do it. Obviously, we didn't see it this last year, but with the new young quarterback in tow, and it also gives them a future at the front, at the quarterback position because Case Keenum, he's 30 years old, two-year deal. And you can get out of his deal for, I mean, it's only $10 million dead, which is a pretty high number. But still, it frees up like another $15 million or something like that. I can't remember the exact number off my head. So it just makes sense. Get your franchise guy. You're in a position to be there. And in our mock draft, he's there. Yeah, I, I am definitely more and more a fan of Baker Mayfield as this process has gone along. He's answered every single question with flying colors. Yes, he does have some past maturity issues and he's gonna have to rein it in a little bit but it's not like the kid doesn't love football he's not a party crazy person like johnny manzel he has a little bit too much fire at time if you can believe that but that's i mean that's fine and he's he feels like a perfect replacement for case keenum i mean he's like the super saiyan version of case keenum if you will where he's got a better arm i think he's a little bit better athlete and he just throws a little bit of anticipation and everything like that so i think i mean everything goes perfectly well for him I think you're getting a Drew Brees guy. That's the absolute top highest echelon Baker Mayfield possible. Worst case scenario, Colt McCoy, which is scary to say. Most likely, though, I think he's probably a Kirk Cousins style player, which is, I mean, that's that's what you want with a top pick. That's a franchise quarterback. And if you're getting that guy, especially with the, the leadership and in the locker room stuff that he brings, that's huge. I love Josh Rosen. I like Sam Darnold a lot as well. I think any of those three guys, if you can get one of them, you should do it. And when you add to that Case Keenum's contract, it was uh, Bob Morris pointed out today that, that if the Broncos cut Keenum next year, it's seven million dead hip. But if they trade him, only three million dead hit. So it's the, if he plays well this year, you don't have to be rushed to play anybody like Baker or something like that. But if he plays well, you can probably get a decent little return from next year because he's not going to be super expensive, and you don't take much of a big cap hit. So this is the Broncos' chance. I think this class is better than what next year's will be at the top as far as quarterbacks go. I mean, you have to have a lot of guys pull a Trubisky and Mayfield ascension and to count on a lot of guys doing that i think is uh, a foolish assumption so you're at the top five you have a chance to go get one this year if there's one you like you got to pull the trigger and i'd be ecstatic with baker mayfield at five yeah and just to clarify on case kingdom's contract if they cut him before june 1st it's a 10 million dollar cap hit Hmm. but it frees up 11 million however and what would be more likely is either a trade pre-june 1st which frees up 18 million with only the 3 million in dead hit because the base salary goes to the new team denver's not liable for that whereas they would be for a cut which with the 17 million base plus the 3 million prorated signing bonus that's the 10 million cap it there and then a post-june 1st hit Post June first cut, it's the same thing. They're still on the books for the ten for the seven million in base salary and the three million prorated bonus. So hope he plays well and because Denver would probably look to trade him afterwards. So and free up that eighteen million to three million. But even still, with the where with where Denver sits at a cap space, if they aren't able to train him, if Bake if Case Keenum completely bombs and they're forced to go to Baker Mayfield. Cutting him, taking that ten million cap hit, freeing up eleven million, basically cancels each other out, and Denver still has like over fifty million dollars in cap space set for next year already. So it's they're they're not in a bad position. They're they're in a great position to still take that young guy and have the versatility, or not the versatility, but the options in play for Case Keenum. And as you said, the fire he has, that's what you want from the quarterback position. I remember a lot of people, the big issues with Trevor Simeon was 
that he didn't show the fire on the field. And so he, they didn't think that players followed him. Not every leader is the same way. Simeon led in a different way. But it says something when all the veterans, well, not all the veterans, but most of the veterans on the Broncos organization, if they had to pick one of these rookie quarterbacks, they're going Baker Mayfield. That says a lot. How much tape do you think they're watching on these quarterbacks? They probably watch a lot. I know um, quite a, I know quite a few of these NFL players, they watch some college ball. They don't watch, not all of them watch a lot. A lot of them just watch like big games or their alma mater, things like that. Some guys, they watch a lot. One of the, a very prominent Broncos offensive player, I won't name names, watched all of these top quarterbacks because he wants improvement for the quarterback position. And he's coming away saying Baker Mayfield's the guy I want on my team. I I wasn't told this directly by the player. It was through a through the grapevine a little bit. There was a in between person that heard it from the player who then told me. But still, it says a lot. These guys they gravitate to Mayfield even in college. Players gravitated towards him. He was their fire. He was their energy, and it really shows. Yeah, I think Baker can do what you need to do in today's NFL. I don't think he can probably play in every system. You know, you don't want him playing in that Bruce Arian system where he's going to be taken a lot of hits and holding onto the ball and throwing it vertically. He does have an arms, uh, arm talent to, you know, he meets the threshold as far as arm talent to do stuff like that, but I just don't think that's his best fit. But you put him in a West Coast or in the uh, Ernard Perkins or, you know, anything like that, especially with a guy like Case Keenum, I mean, they're, they're going to be playing in the same style of offense. They both, I think, have the same positives. I just think Baker has more positives of his positive, if that makes sense, just a higher uh, level of talent. But I think that that's a good pick, and – I would be ecstatic with it, and you get a guy that can be that. You know, there's no questions. Baker Mayfield's going to be the guy at some point, so that's that's a good get. And sorry, Case Keenum, I, I know that he probably he seems like a good guy from all his press conferences and everything, but yeah, he to me he's a bridge. So if you get a chance at a guy like Baker, then I think you take it. Yeah, Keenum, he seems like a really good guy. I don't know if you've watched the Hard Knocks with the Rams, and he. I have a lot of respect for him for how he handled that situation and everything. And from other things I've heard about him, just nothing but respect. And I really hope he does well with Denver. But I'm looking at, as a fan, I'm looking at the Broncos for years down the road, not just now. Best case scenario for the Broncos is Case Keenum balls out this year. They're able to trade him for a really decent return, at the very least, a third-round pick next year. Yeah, I mean, maybe even a second. You never know. I would take it. If Matt Castle can get two twos or whatever the heck he got, then... 30, 31 year old Case Keenum should hopefully be able to get it too. Especially because yeah, he's going to be so cost controlled. Yeah, I was looking at something kind of like what the what Washington gave up for Alex Smith. I mean, that's 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 the low end for Case Keenum if he goes out and balls this year. If he does, if he balls out, I'm, I mean, you can be looking at realistically at a first round pick because he's still not overly old. 31 years old, he still has five or six years left. He still has that one year, and then you can. And then you can negotiate a new contract with him or you can tag him. So there's a lot of value there. It's just how is he going to play him balling out, getting something in return for Denver and having Baker Mayfield ready in the wings and being taught how to be a professional and growing up some under the tutelage of Case Keenum is what's best for the Broncos long term. And that's what I well, that's what all fans should be looking towards. Yeah, I agree. Now, in the second round, we went to offensive line. I know I'm a little bit higher on this guy than you are. Austin Corbett from Nevada. He played offensive tackle there. His arm length isn't ideal for tackle, though I still think he can play there in 
in emergency situations in the NFL because the talent's still there. He's still a really good tackle. He's best at guard, though, just because he lacks the length that you really want. He has the versatility that you want. He can play in any kind of scheme that you want. He has enough power. He has enough functional athleticism to be a phone booth baller or block on the move in zone schemes. He's got the smarts for gap schemes. He's He's got all that you want for the versatility of it. He's not going to be a 10-time all-pro offensive guard. The ceiling isn't that high, but he can be a pro bowl guard, and he's going to be and he's going to be towards the top of his position for many years to come. And obviously, Will Hernandez, there's the obvious name there. In our mock draft, he went a little bit earlier in the first round. And other guys that were on the board at this time, there was Braden Smith from Auburn. He fits the scheme very he fits the scheme well, but Corbett's versatility. James Daniels, I know that you like him a lot. I just view that he doesn't fit the scheme very well. So of the what was on the board for me, Austin Corbett, he fits the scheme. He fits the he has the attitude the Broncos want on their offensive line. He fits in so many different ways. Plus he's got, in my opinion, he's well worth an early second round pick. I think the Broncos second round pick might be a little bit early for him. Not a lot, just a little bit. But I can't complain. I think he's a versatile guy. The only question I have coming from the combine is his strength. The tape shows solid strength. He's not really an earth mover, so to speak, but coming in with just over 33-inch arm length, 33 and an eighth to be exact, and putting up 19 reps, which is the ninth percentile of all offensive guards, there's a, there's a little bit of concern there. I wouldn't say, I mean, the tape obviously shows a guy that's functionally strong. I just think he'll probably need to get stronger at the next level. And you, looking at mock draftable right now, you know who his number one comparison is at a 93.5% as far as athletic testing goes? Who? Lael Collins. Nice. Yeah, so I, I would take – Lael Collins was being talked about as a top 20 talent, and he – I mean, he's been a solid player for the Cowboys. Like, they can't really make up their mind if they want him to be a guard or a tackle, but I, I would take that in round two, and I, he's especially because he's such an intelligent guy. And technique and intelligence at the offensive line is probably probably one of the more important positions. You know, outside of quarterback, you want to have intelligent offensive linemen. Yeah, and – I got to ask, since you mentioned that it's a little bit early for him, is that factoring in with the decline of offensive line play in the NFL and how weak overall this draft class is with offensive line talent, both at tackle, at guard? Is it still a little too early for him? I think he, I mean, it's just barely too early. I have him around a mid-second round pick and you're going early second round. So probably about five to 10 slots too early. But if that's the top guard you have left and you're wanting to go there, then I, I totally get it. I could also see a, a cornerback or an edge rusher there or a linebacker. It just depends on how the board falls. But I'm a fan, and if they went there, I'd have zero qualms about it. Yeah, definitely they have other options. I would. One thing is that I'd be looking at is since the interior offensive line is a little bit stronger than edge, I, I would probably wouldn't be surprised if they do look at edge. Okoronkwo is one name that comes to mind, and I think that early second is a little bit early for me for Okoronkwo, but Still, you got to reach because the hedge class is really bad. Cornerback, I like the depth here. Same with linebackers. So that's why I was willing to wait. And for me personally, I went and got the top guy on my board with this one. But uh, as, as I said, it was, as the listener should know, anyways, is that it was a group, um, it was a combination between the two of us who was making the Broncos pick. So I was able to convince Nick to take Austin Corbett. Yeah, and I got to ask, what do you think about Lorenzo Carter and Josh Sweat as well? Some edges that have been talked about in that late first, early second range. I don't see either of them as late first, early seconds. Sweat's knee 
like is is very concerning for me because it's not the first time he's had an injury to it. He's he hasn't had only one injury to it. It's been multiple ones. And so that's just very concerning for me. And I like him a lot. And I think I have him like in a late second round grade. So, and that's about as high as I can go just because of the medical. I think the tape is great and worth probably a early second. When you have to take medicals into consideration, then obviously he's going to go a little bit later. And Lorenzo Carter, he's a guy that I think he's just a little too raw for me to take in the late first, early second. He's a guy that I think I have as another either early third or late second on. And if Denver traded down from the second round pick, which I'm surprised isn't being talked about more often, really, is moving down from there because that's where you're really starting to get into the sweet spot for this draft is that mid late second round. And they'd be able to get a couple other picks still in the sweet spot. So, but anyways, if they stay put, I just don't see Lorenzo Carter there because I just think it's too early for me. Yeah. He's, he's quite the enigma because you see flashes. It's, I mean, the athleticism is obvious. He's a freak, but Georgia just used him in such a weird role that you're going to, you, there is some projection there at the NFL because you don't want him playing that, stand-up edge but being a coverage guy so uh, you gotta you gotta trust your your talent evaluators and your coaches there but you know it's like the the nfl it's same crud with josh allen you know oh look at that arm look at that talent look at that raw ability i can take that and make that into something because it's the nfl and we have better coaches and everything than college has so i wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys goes early it really feels like one of those guys could be a a Patriot, one of those ones where like, oh yeah, they reached on a talented guy and they turn out to be pretty good because obviously the culture and the coaching there is above almost anything else in the NFL. Yeah, I can I can see that. And I agree that Georgia did use him in a weird way. Now, going to talk about both third round picks that Denver made. First one was Will Richardson. This Now, this was made before they traded for Jared Valdir. So this pick would probably change a little bit now. I'm not sure how much it would change. But definitely, there would be some change here. Will Richardson, he's a developmental guy that they can take and let sit behind Jared Valdir. And he'll likely sit or likely play some point this year because Valdir just can't stay healthy and on the field for a full season. Yeah, I like Valdir a lot. Or not Valdir. (laughs) I like Richardson a fair amount. He doesn't, he's not a, you know, a ballerina with his feet and he's still a little bit raw with his hands, but he's a strong guy. He's got great length and I think he's going to be a very good right tackle in the NFL. So I, you know, there's some concerns there. He had a DUI. He's had some issues with marijuana in the past, quote unquote issues, but I, I don't know. I like the talent here. I think he's going to be a solid right tackle in the league and you hit the nail on the head. Veld here, even if he is healthy this year, he's not a long-term option. So getting a guy who can project as a right tackle, a starting right tackle in the NFL and just a good fit for your system. I mean, that's, that's gold. Yeah, and it just I just like the idea of getting somebody who is a developmental guy. I know a lot of people don't like the pick of Will Richardson, especially in Denver, because he has marijuana issues in his past. But I've spoken to people who've talked with him, and I've watched interviews with him, and it really seems to be behind him. And ever since his last issue with it, he's, stay, he's kept clean. So hopefully he can keep that trend. And I'm sure, as with Baker Mayfield, I'm sure Denver will have something in place to sit here and keep make sure Richardson stays clean. And the next pick was Mike Jacecki. They go and address that receiving tight end, receiving tight end that they need. Obviously he lacks the blocking ability. You can't sit there and say he is a blocker at all. He's more of a big receiver. It's more than a tight end. And that is one thing that Denver does want is they want somebody who can come in and help block as well. They want, they want somebody want people who can do both. So 
while it's not my favorite pick for Denver, it is a guy that does fill a huge need for them. It gives them a red zone threat with his size and his ability to create mismatches and his overall receiving ability. Yeah, it's, I mean, I understand the pick. It's not my favorite in the world, but you know, what can you do? I wish he was a little bit more physical. I mean, he's going to have to be physical and I don't know. The last podcast hasn't come out yet because Chad is taking too long. No, hopefully he hears that and rolls his eyes, but I just wish he was more physical over the middle. He plays soft and you can't have that with a tight end in my opinion. At the same time though, with this pick where it's going, he's worth it because the immense athleticism and just how well he pairs with Jake Butt. And to kick off the fourth round, the Denver Broncos select Kalen Balage from Arizona State. At first, I was really low on him because I thought he shouldn't be running back. Senior Bowl, obviously, there were some questions that were answered there, and it made me go back at tape. And maybe he can be a, more of a running back in the NFL, but I still think that he has a very certain way that you want to use him. He's not he's more quick than fast and he can sit there and help out and move out to the, and he can move out to the slot in certain situations and he can help pick up some short yardage situations. And then we followed that pickup with Kamoko Ture um, edge from Rutgers gives Denver some added depth at their edge rushers because Shane Ray, who knows what's going to happen with him. They might or might not pick up his fifth year option. I don't think they should personally because it guarantees upon injury. If he can't pass a physical, it guarantees upon injury. And so if he can't pick it, can't pass a physical, then they're stuck into that contract and he just hasn't. And I, don't, I just don't want to see Denver get stuck into that contract because that's a lot of money for a guy who just hasn't performed. Anyways, Torrey, he gives them just out of depth at the pass rush position. Shane Ray, as I've been trying to say, is with that money and the fifth year option, Shaq Barrett, who knows how long he's going to be around. They got to get some added depth at the edge position. And Torrey at this point is excellent value. I think I like both these picks. I think Ballage is a guy who he's probably not ever going to be a great between the tackles runner because I question his patience and vision. Granted that Arizona offensive line is not good, but he had, there was another running back there at Arizona state as well, who had, he's not a great athlete. He's probably going to go undrafted, but he fared better between the tackles. Can't remember his name, Richards. I think it was Richards. Maybe I don't know. But anyway, Ballage. I mean, worst case, he's kind of that that pass catching guy. You know, the, some people have compared him to David Johnson because he's huge. He kind of runs upright, and he's an almost as good of a receiver as he is a running back. But the way the NFL is going, and especially you're getting a guy like Baker Mayfield, getting a unique weapon like that that he can shift out of the backfield and get him isolated with a linebacker and take advantage of that. I mean, Baker's the type that can really take advantage of that, and I love that pick. And Toure, he killed it at the Senior Bowl. He's a perfect edge for this system. He does have some medical issues, consistency issues, but there's a reason he's going day three. He's long. He's very bendy. He can turn that corner. And I think he could be a great situational passer his first year, second year, and maybe develop into something when he adds more technique and strength. But I like both of these picks a whole lot. Uh, Not surprisingly, because we both made the picks. Yeah, and in in the fifth round, we ended up having Denver take Jannard Avery, a linebacker from Memphis. I really like this kid. He's very similar to Hassan Reddick a year ago. He's a versatile, versatile linebacker, and I just love watching him play. His tape is great. I'm going to take time and apologize for a baby in the background. I don't have anybody here to watch her, so I'm trying to watch her and record this at the same time. And take. She's starting to get a little grumpy because it's her nap time. But anyways, as for the linebacker, Again, Avery, he fills a whole big need. And with the situation with Todd Davis's contract, Denver can Denver has the options in play 
to move on from him after this year. Avery can come in as a starter after this year, and he can have a huge role. He is a little bit better athlete than Todd Davis. He works a little bit better in coverage than Todd Davis. And he's got the ability to defend the run as well as get after the quarterback. I just think that he's more well-rounded than Todd Davis is, which Denver needs more so opposite Brandon Marshall than what they're getting from Todd Davis, who is best suited as a number three linebacker who can come in in obvious run running situations. And then the last pick for the Broncos, since they don't have any sixth or seventh round picks, is Jeremy Reeves, a defensive back from South Alabama. I know... When we made this pick, we talked a little bit about Saran Neal from Jacksonville State. I ended up going um, fighting for Reeves because I viewed that he can be a little bit more of a cornerback than he can a safety, and Neal's just a little bit – is just the opposite. I like his ability to play physical and in both man and zone coverages. Obviously, he's got he's got quite a bit of work to do because he's coming from a smaller school. He did really well at the Senior Bowl and just – He's just the guy that once you start watching him, you want to keep watching him because he's he's just really talented and such a joy to watch. Yeah, smaller school defender guys. I mean, we were going through this mock, and I looked it back at it, and I about cursed you out because it was all offense. I know the Broncos need offense, but that is it made me really anxious because the defense is still the identity of this team, and best way to keep a defense good is keep it young and keep adding talent to it. So I love these two picks in that regard. Athletic, smaller school guys, but I think they can come in and play special teams roles year one, which is something that is very smart to do when you're looking to add day three talent, guys who can come in and immediately impact special teams because that third phase is often overlooked. Denver fans the last two years should know that special teams is important. I mean, signing Marquette King today, look at that. So I like both these picks. I need to watch some more of the I, – I do really like Saran Neal, but, but you're right, he's more of a safety. So – I, you, you swayed me in that regard. I wanted to add another cornerback. I'd be fine with the Broncos going cornerback as early as day two if the right guy falls. So it'll it'll all depend on the draft and everything how everything falls in that regard. But I like both these picks, and I think that both will be good contributors for the Broncos day one special teams and offer potential upside as starters eventually. And... I agree. It's just it's just such a good draft. And uh, before we finish this off, I just want to remind you listeners to please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So please go take the time. Go to iTunes, Spreaker, rate, subscribe, let your voices be heard on how much you enjoy listening to us talk. It would be so much appreciated as you guys are the ones who enable us to do something that we love to do. So please help spread the word around. Now, before we get out of here, I just want to get your opinion on a couple of things. First one is looking back at this draft class, if obviously just a mock, but if it turns out this way, what would your initial draft grade be for the Broncos? A solid B plus. There's guys obviously that we wish would fall that we like, but because we were filling out the picks for every single team, guys that we like that, you know, we, we wouldn't cheat in that way. So guys that we hope will fall into the Broncos laps were snatched up before that because, Hey, we were the GMs of those teams, but you got the quarterback. You added a really talented interior offensive lineman. You added depth to the defense, needed guys on the defense, a wide receiver option, a tight end option. I mean, I, I really like this draft. So I think it's, I'd give it a solid B plus not a wide receiver option, but a receiving option. in Gusecki. Yeah, I agree. I was going back and forth between a B plus or a minus. I think in the end, I'm going to settle on a B plus just because while I like all the picks, 
I do have some issues with some of them. Obviously, Mike Jacecki, I wish that he was more of a blocker. And that, that's the big one. If we were able to get a guy who can help block a little bit more as well as provide that receiving talent, then it would be a little bit different. But quite frankly, there's not many of those options in this draft class. So basically, the weakness of the tight end class is what kept this from being an A- minus for me. And then obviously, there's Denver now has a limited amount of picks. I would have liked to have gotten a receiver for some added depth there, maybe a defensive lineman as well. And you just got to kind of pick through and get who you want and end up addressing linebacker a little bit later than I wanted to as well. What can you do though? Yeah, nobody ended up falling to where we liked them, so or somebody else who was better. And as you said, we went offense heavy early. I wouldn't be surprised if Denver does something similar. I mean, offense was such a weak point that they kind of have to have their focus there, and they do have their focus there a little bit. So before we get out of here, do you have any parting comments? Uh, other than Josh Rosen's quarterback one, I don't really have anything else to say. <laughs> I just like giving you a hard time. I, sw- I swear to you, I'm, I, I, Josh Rosen is my quarterback one, but I'm going to stand by it. I think Darnold, Rosen, and Baker – if Denver lands them, we'll go on to be franchise quarterbacks. Obviously, what's around them, coaches, players, culture, locker room, everything like that matters when it comes to a quarterback. You know, Does David Carr go on to be a massive bust if he isn't sacked at a record pace for the Houston Texans' first year? I don't know. Is Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers without sitting behind Brett Favre? I don't know. So where they land is important, but I think all those guys have the, the tools that if Denver gets them, and I, I mean, because I'm, I'm still a fan. I got to trust the coaches and everything. I think if we get one of those guys, they'll go on to be a stud quarterback. And I think this is your chance to go swing and swing away. Go get that guy. Yep, variables matter, and we can't judge all variables. There have been plenty of players who have come out of college with next to no medical concerns, and then all of a sudden, boom, they can't stay healthy in the NFL. Just the unknown. We can't grade it. We can't judge it. We just got to go off what we know. And I agree with you. Something about it, the three, Donald Rosen and Mayfield, screams to me that they're going to be, at worst, really good starting quarterbacks, like in the mold of Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, guys who are in the top 10, top 15, that range, may not be able to take you over the hump, unfortunately, but they'll sit there and they'll keep your team competitive each year. Before we get out of here, I forgot to talk about this a little bit. Denver signed Marquette King. It's a it's a great signing. Just talk about it really briefly. Three years, $7 million. I think it's a $2 million base incentives for the rest of it. Deal is fantastic. It's great for Denver. They improved their punting game, which was needed. He has like a 51 career punting average in Denver or something like that. So I'm putting, I'm putting the over under at 49 and a half yards per punt this season. I mean, kicking eight games in at altitude like, with his leg, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes over, honestly. And obviously, Riley Dixon sucks, man. I know you were a former draft pick. I wish you best of luck wherever you end up next, but it's not going to be Denver. And that's going to end up end this episode of Trickle Down Theories. Thank you all for listening. Please leave a like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Nick Kendall MHH and my own at Eric Trickle. You can always reach us on there with any kind of question and we're always more than willing to respond. We love the interaction with you fans, listeners and readers. So just any question, just don't we don't we don't mind. And it's without your support, we wouldn't be here without you. So we thank you. And also please follow up follow Huddle Up pod for all the podcasts and they tend to focus more specifically on the Denver Broncos file follow my light huddle as well that's where where all of our written work comes from and 
So yeah, please go give us a follow. Follow up our outlets, our social media, Twitter accounts for the for the site we work for and the our podcast network. And as I said before, just spread the word around. Anyways, I had a great time with you, Nick, and I'm sure I'll have you on again in the future. For Nick, I'm your host, Eric Trickle, and thank you all for listening to Trickle Down Theories, and have a wonderful day. Mile high huddle.